You're listening to Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don. T-Mad. Don is a pastor with 38 years experience. And Alex is just as curious as you. We look at the most important and interesting questions about the Bible and Christian faith. So let's talk about it. Pastor Don. Good morning, Alex. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, we got some uh, very fun stuff to talk about today. Oh, we do? Yes. Okay. Well, I'll adjust myself here. Get ready for fun I, stuff. I, I, at least it seemed interesting, interesting to me when I read about it. Q-Source. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Q-Source is? Right. Uh, through the study of textual criticism yes. of the Bible, it's become evident, if you will, uh, at least a good suggestion that there was a source that stood outside the New Testament, especially out of the four Gospels. Okay. You see the tendency of the Q document in the Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You don't see quite as much influence of the Q document in John, as if maybe he didn't have it. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke have so many word-for-word harmonic pieces of story, accounts, that it's evident they copied something. Ah. And so the Q source, uh, we believe, was at least an individual or group who was pulling these things together. Oh. Now, one would say that possibly that Q source was Mary. Oh. Because Luke mentions in chapter 2 that she pondered all these things in her heart. And so possibly Mary's a source of all this information that the other authors also use. Really? We, we see it very basic in Mark's gospel because Mark's gospel isn't as big. It's very yep. tight. It's very terse. Uh, doesn't have the Jewish bend that Matthew has, nor does it have the Greek bend that Luke has. And uh, so we think maybe Mark got it, you know, right there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's very obvious that Luke, at least somehow or another, had firsthand information from Mary because his birth narrative is unique. Ah. So uh, that's why I say, you know, possibly. Right, right, right. Yeah, because how else would he have gotten that? Exactly. Very intimate narrative there, right? So either Luke had the Q source and Mary. Okay, okay. Or he had uh, or Mar- the Mary was the, was the Q source. Yeah. Ah. And this is just kind of... That's according to Don. Just, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I like that. That's pretty tight, I think. A good theory. Theory. Yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't there. Sorry. Yeah. Are there a lot of those things in the Bible where it's kind of like, where did this... Or questions or pondering. Yes, and, and I have a sort of a love-hate relationship with textual criticism. Yes. Because we studied it extensively in seminary. Mm-hmm. But you get looking at all the variants, and you think, whoa, boy, how's the hell they get all these different things? You know, cer- certainly uh, there isn't uh, a one source. Right. Biblical background. And then you, you realize we didn't have a printing press. Yeah. Until the, the 16th century. Yeah. And so all the Bible that we had in those first centuries was done by hand. Yep. Now, I don't know whether you've ever done that little exercise where you copy a sentence and you copy it and copy it and copy it and copy it and copy it. But back in, back in my day, they used that for discipline. 
I was going to say, what did you have to write in the chalkboard? Yeah, yeah. well, let's not go there. But <laughs> one of the things that it happens then, if you do that, uh, every once in a while, your dot becomes a little big, and it becomes a dash, uh -huh. or, you know, and, and the T's don't get crossed. The yep. L does, and you've got things like that that come up. That seems to be what most of the textual variants are. Okay. Basically, it's the, the scribe getting his his T crossed or his L crossed instead of his T and that those kinds of things. That's that's the summation of a lot of textual variants. Mm -hmm. There are some where they added some words. Uh, John's Gospels and uh, I think it's seven fifty one to eight seven in there. Uh, the story of the the woman uh, who was being stoned, getting ready to be stoned. Uh, isn't in the very, 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 very earliest manuscripts that we have. Ooh. But it does fit Jesus. I mean, you look at that story, and it fits the character of Jesus right on. Sure. For him to say, you know, okay, uh, yeah. So, and just dig in the sand a little bit and say, so the one without sin cast the first stone. Right. That's Jesus. Mm -hmm. Smart well-versed answer coming back. And then when they're all gone, he says, so where are those who accuse you? And she says, they're all gone. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. That's, that's the heart of Jesus that I know. Sure. So it's consistent, but it may not be in at least one of the earlier manuscripts. Was it skipped? Maybe somebody just jumped a paragraph and didn't put it in whatever that earlier manuscript was. Where did that come from then? That's a good question. We know that... Shouldn't that be a little bit discomforting that, that someone's going to be putting some stuff in there and we're going to say, well, that kind of makes... You know, that's what Jesus would do. But that's what we do in textual criticism. Then you weigh out, okay, if it wasn't in that early manuscript, was it really added later? Or did that early manuscript skip it for some reason? And it was picked up in a later manuscript. Okay. And then you look at the language, the wording, the, is, is the language consistent with the rest of the book? Right. Uh, do they use different terminology? Sure, sure. Uh, th there's a lot of pieces to it. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, uh, modern, modern uh, scriptures that are translations of early texts are pretty good. Okay. But it's a... That's why I say it's a love-hate relationship. I want to yeah. get back to the word that God gave us. Right. And, and the extras, I, I handle carefully. Right. Because the woman caught in adultery is a powerful piece of who Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that's something like, I think a lot of people do struggle with. It's, and I think that's a very good reason, not necessarily a good reason, but... Uh, a good cause for concern with those who are agnostic or atheist, you know, that's a good point. Well, you don't even know who wrote these. You don't even, you know, you're just going to let, you know, the men discipled and wrote this stuff down and it's changed over. How do you know that's actually the word of God? Hmm. That's a good criticism. It's a good criticism, but I'd like to lay a, a, a layer of check mm -hmm. that we have as Christians. And that's the movement of the Holy spirit. Yeah. Because I don't find things that don't resonate yeah. with the Holy Spirit that's working in, in my life and working to keep me on track with who Christ is and 
grow me in my discipleship. Mm -hmm. And I don't fear the questions. No. Because they keep me sharp. Yeah. And keep me in the word. Yeah. The apologist side of me says, you know, that's, I think it's a pretty easy, or this, at least that's, this is how I rationalize it is, is there a God or is there not? Let's assume that there is for the sake of this argument. You know, you, what you said is a good point. Why would he just let us have this weird translations where we're not really sure of everything? If there's a God, here's our Bible. Why would he let us have something that's going to lead us astray? True. Is this leading us towards salvation, this book? Well, then it's not his job. Then, therefore, it is the word of God. If it's doing the opposite, which many other religious texts are, where it doesn't have that logical framework of Jesus. I, and I really think that is the most beautiful part of Christianity is there's no other religious text that has Jesus as the Messiah, as God come to earth to save, right. to forgive. And that's just such an important piece that I can't overlook. Right. And, and to the agnostics who would like to say that text has a lot of mistakes and variants, I would say, well, okay, look at any other Greek manuscript of that era, like uh, Homer. Yep. Uh, there are more variants in the examples of Homer's writing than there is in the New Testament mm -hmm. or in the Bible in general. That's a good point. I didn't think and, about that. And so when you think of other Greek texts or other texts that are that texts that are that ancient, the translations are just wild with stuff, mm -hmm. variants. So I'd say the guys did pretty good. Yeah. I mean, as many times as the Bible was copied from the first time it was put into writing to what we have now, it, it's as if every scribe realized that they were actually printing holy writ. Yeah. It wasn't uh, just manu uh, manufacturing, and, and it, was, it was a special manuscript they were, they were copying. Mm -hmm. And God must have known, you know, there might be a few little mistakes here and there, but the you know, proof is in the pudding. Mm -hmm. Once it's, you know, however many years later, so about 3,000 for Genesis or 3,500. Oh, yeah, yeah, a little more than that. But yeah, it's been a long time yeah. since Genesis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot has happened. The, the other thing I would put into it is what other book has changed lives? Oh, yeah like the Bible. Mm -hmm. And Gideons have stories, just lots of stories of how a simple manuscript, simple Bible in a hotel room has changed a person's life. Yeah. Because that's their ministry. Yeah. When you have nowhere else to turn and you open that book, sometimes God just is right there waiting mm -hmm. for you. Holy right. Spirit's working through you in that time. Well, and think about our daily devotions. How many times... Does God prepare in advance a little booklet with the right scripture at the right time? Oh, it's crazy. For the day. Oh, it's giving that's, me goosebumps right now, the amount of times. That's the Holy Spirit level of what's happening with this manuscript. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That gives me goosebumps as I'm sitting here now. The amount of times where I've been like struggling with something, open up that daily devotional, which is just the app on my phone, you mm -hmm. know, daily bread. It's like, well... Would you look at that? The exact example of something that's going to speak to me. And isn't and that amazing? Me. It is. Somebody wrote that on their kitchen table. Yeah, they didn't know. They didn't know. Put it in, sent it in, and mm -hmm. away it came at the right time, right day, yeah. the right passage.
Yeah, so I was like, wow, must be a lot of... I wonder if they knew a lot of people are going to be struggling with this today. No, uh, probably not. Probably not, but yeah. they knew Alex did. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they knew I was going to do it. That's what it was. Not really, but God did. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it's just amazing. Yep. You never know what's going to speak to someone or help someone on a certain day. Right. That gets us to a listener question. How do... How do we deal with anger when it crops up mm. in one of those situations where like, you know what's happening? So not like, you know, breathing techniques or anything, but how can we let the Holy Spirit work to bring us back to where he wants, to where God wants us to be? Well, the first thing to, is to acknowledge it. Uh, I think the Bible says in Ephesians, uh, anger, but do not sin. Yeah, do not sin in your anger. And so we have to acknowledge it. I mean, we can deny that we're angry all we want. Mm-hmm. doesn't change the fact that we are, in fact, angry. Yeah. Uh, and some of our anger might be justified. Sure. But the sin part is where we cross the line and do our thing rather than God's thing. And anger has its own set of emotions that sort of blind us over time. So it's it's that getting past the uh, the emotion of anger, mm-hmm. finding out the under underlying piece that's causing the anger, what's generating this. Confess that. Right. Let God know. Hey, I'm having a rough time, Lord, with this. Can can you sort of help me? And and uh, at least that takes the fire out of it. Yeah. It does. Yep. And that's the first part of taking care of it. Did you yeah. want all the phases of it? Oh, not necessarily. Okay. I know it's, it's yes, yeah, that first part is identifying mm-hmm. it, coming to the Lord, let him do his work. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of, uh, I don't know if it's the right thing necessarily to do, but, you know, sometimes my wife and I have disagreements, right? And I found out, it's like, it always happens after 7 o'clock. Oh. Those are the worst ones. Okay. Those are when the disagreements go nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so you're both so tired, you can't hardly deal with it anyway. I can't. It, I have a hard time not sinning in that anger mm-hmm. when there's the disagreement instead of just the, okay, let's talk about this. Where are, we, where are we going? Where is it? What's happening here? It's a, no, it's a, you know, throwing out all those like words you're not supposed to say, like, you know, you always or mm-hmm. I never. The absolutes. The absolutes. Yep. Don't use those. Mm-mm. Never going to go anywhere with that conversation. No. And so I've said, you know, when we're going to do these things, when we're going to have discussions to talk about things like whatever it is, and I don't even know how to categorize it. Like, we can't. it can't be it. After seven. Well, that seems unfair. That <laughs> we seems can't unfair. talk after seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. But, yeah, it's finding a ways around that and then hopefully course we haven't you know we don't like get together in the morning to hash out differences you know of course if we did it might go faster but you know you could put aside a date night and say hey we're going to a special spot and that's going to be the agenda of the evening oh boy i know that wouldn't be too bad well it does one thing it postpones the immediate response yep and the need for an immediate response. Mm-hmm. It also says it's going to be a special time for us to talk together. Yep. And uh, so then it sort of moderates the amount of energy 
Yeah, you're much less likely to stand up and scream and storm out when you're a bunch of people around. Right, it really helps. (laughs) And then uh, it allows you to maybe, at least I hope, in that period of time, take time to consider what the other side of the story is. Yep. Yep. I do tend to like kind of just have all the rebuttals ready. Do you? Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, you use a card and write them out. I not quite that extent, but okay. You know, have you ever had that like argument mm-hmm. with somebody in your head all day long? Mm-hmm. That's uh. So I think I always have something ready to respond, and so I'm I'm not as good about actually listening, and that's, that's been a hard, hard. thing. That's it hard. is. But that's especially when you know you're right. Uh, of course, I'm never wrong. Come on. Found out I'm frequently, frequently wrong. Well, but it's we always just, in the morning that mm-hmm. the I'm convicted to be like, "Hey, baby, that's uh, that one was on me. You were totally right." <laughs> She's like, "You always do this. Why don't you do this the night before?" I'm like, "Well, I'll have to try it sometime eventually, right?" Yeah. There but, you go. Yeah, marriage is a beautiful thing. It is, and it's a fun journey. And you may often marry your best compliment. Yep. And so she probably is being pushed by you and you're being pushed by her and and you both are a little, end up better with that. Yes. Yeah, we don't fight that often, but it is uh, I, it is kind of interesting to see the beauty out on the other side. And then sometimes it feels like that anger was righteous. But it isn't. When it became anger that you carry, no. Right. Not. Had I been... You know, had I not yelled or something like that, I wouldn't have felt so bad the next day. And I needed that to really just pummel me to the ground with humbleness and humility to come groveling back and say, yep, I mm-hmm. was wrong. You're right, honey. But I God uses it. all those situations. He'd probably rather we didn't do that. But we're as human as we can be. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's where we have to start acknowledging the uh, role of grace, not only how we give grace to others, but also accept it ourselves. Yes. Yep. I mean, that's a lot of the criticisms upon the church that sometimes people don't quite understand is that there's a lot of grace that needs to go around. Yeah. Where we don't know exactly what everyone's thinking, what's going on in their heads. And that little piece of grace is sometimes hard. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit different than forgiveness. It is different than forgiveness. Grace comes beforehand, right? Yes. Or how does that work? There's got to be some kind of mathematical equation there. Is there? I don't know. A mathematical? I guess I'm not thinking of mathematical. I'm just thinking that grace might soften the heart enough to realize there's more truth out there than what I hold myself. Sure. And so in that, then the conversation can happen. Yep. Yep. One more listening question, listener question. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Is there too much? Like repetitious, I'm trying to remember the exact word was it, but God doesn't want repetitious prayer, right? Right. We see that in Matthew 6. Yes. But then also is then called pray without ceasing. Well, I think it's giving our lives into God's hands in such a way that all of our conversation is at least in the first person with God. Okay. And then we have Thursday morning, Alex and Don. The first conversation is with God. What we do together here 
is is what we do knowing that we're praying without ceasing yeah. what, what what does god want to do in this moment and uh then that prayer without ceasing goes to the next moment that we're encountering somebody on the street lord what what would you have me do in this encounter or what would be significant and when you uh, somebody sideswipes you and takes the corner out of your car and and uh, lord in the midst of this situation lord what what am i to do and so it becomes that attitude where every action reaction spoken word is a response hopefully god's response because we've taken it first to him so that prayer without ceasing that's part of the reason that uh some of our anabaptist sisters wear a prayer veil all the time okay is because they believe their whole life is a prayer i see yeah yeah and since they are to veil in prayer according to first corinthians 11 they they wear a prayer prayer veil all times okay yeah we've talked about that before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so making your whole life a prayer is that prayer without ceasing that relationship with god is that prayer without ceasing but, primary but like if i'm praying the same for the same person every day well those dedicated times of prayer for individuals yes that that that's good okay but it fits in the other okay so if I'm praying for a handful of individuals that they are going to be saved, that they're going to give their life to Christ every single day. Now, not all of them are wonderfully eloquent, thoughtful prayer. Are no, those the times when maybe they're not? The, th- the fact that you're raising them before the Lord because of your concern for them, that's prayer. Okay. Okay. I was Pr- kinda... Prayer is not only the words. Okay. It's everything you're giving God in your thought process. Yeah. Okay. So that's 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 still something that is a good thing. Thinking about those people, bringing them in your prayer life. Right. That's not prayer. That's not a repetitious prayer. Right. right. But you well, know, I think Jesus lived his whole life in, as a prayer. Yeah. Without ceasing. He still went up on the mountain and spent those times away from others and in prayer to God. And we, then we have Gethsemane where we see him actually fervently talking to God in prayer with such intensity that he sweat drops of blood. Mm-hmm. That's intense prayer. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've never done that. Well, give yourself time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess. Oh, what about the Lord's Prayer? Is that kind of what it's talking about where it's just a... There's nothing to it. You're just saying the words. Mm, it's a model prayer. I think the elements that are encapsulated in the Lord's Prayer should probably be part of every prayer time we have. Okay. Dedicated. Uh, acknowledgement of God as being holy, uh, above all things, uh, daily uh, provider for us. I mean, the elements of the Lord's Prayer, I think, is a good model for every prayer that we set down and give to the God to give to God. Hmm. That's good. And especially the end. That's right. Honor and glory and praise. That's right. Yep. Well, that's what we're trying to do here too. Mm-hmm. All right. That's good for this time. Do you want to pray us out? I can do that. Awesome. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we thank you for the time that we could be together. We thank you for 
Alex's artistic way of putting things together in these in these programs. We do pray for the individual listening and that you would help us understand what they need and through your mighty hand would you provide what they need to hear this morning and in the days to come. Lord, we seek your will done on this earth as it is in your heaven. Help us be part of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Don. And we're only going to do this like once every three or four episodes, but hit the like button. Please. Subscribe. Please. Join us here Wednesdays for men's Bible study. Yes. Westchester, Iowa. Yep. Westchester United Methodist Church. The only church in Westchester. That's right. Yes. Um, what else? Church service, 1045. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Or if you catch can't, us online. Can't make it in person. Come on. Come online. Yep. I try to put in there when the sermon starts in the message or in the comment oh. thing so that if you want to skip to that. Oh, but that's not the good part. Worship's the good part. Well, it's better Hearing person, that old though. guy talk? Oh, get real. If you have any criticisms of Don's sermons, uh, put you that can put in there, them too. in the comments, yeah. yeah. He likes it. So, thanks, everyone. We enjoy doing this. Thanks for coming out. Thank See you. See you next week. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode. We are both having a ton of fun making these videos and episodes. And if you're having fun, too, please tell a friend about this and help us to grow this mission. Thank you and God bless.